let's open our Bibles. How about that? We're Bible church. Let's do the Bible. Um, so we're in Matthew 28. Listen, we only got four verses to cover today. Somebody say, woo, woo. Okay, it'll only take me probably an hour and 20 minutes to do it. No, I'm going to try to cover only four verses today and uh, get us out of here on time today. So, But I'm super excited. Actually, the message that in the section we're in, we, we've been in Matthew, and, and, and I love it because um, I want to give the Lord glory. I want to give God credit. But one of the things that I, I think that I'm proud of, if, if I can say that, for us as a church, is we started this church on Sunday, um, September 1st. 2013. So since September 1st, 2013, right here in this building. And when we started our church, it was just this one building right here. There was a wall that separated this. This was not even ours. It was something else. And then um, we had uh, 65 chairs facing that way. The the stage was up there. We had the kids in the back. And we started uh, in the Gospel of John, first Sunday Sunday morning, and we talked through the Gospel of John to start. Since that day, we've, we've, Matthew will be our 23rd book. We've covered every chapter, every verse in the New Testament. So praise the Lord. We, we've taught through um, about 80% of the New Testament. We have uh, 23. There's how many books in the New Testament? God's favorite number. It's easy to remember. 27. I know that's God's favorite number because that's the day I was born, the 27th. So that's, that's, that's God's thing, you know. And if you're born in July on the 27th and you got 727, then you're really God's favorite. But um, so we have, we're going to do James next. We're going to finish Matthew today. And then we're going to go into James. What I usually do is in between New Testament studies, because we only teach the New Testament primarily on Sunday mornings, is I'll, I'll maybe grab an Old Testament um, highlight. And so we may for two weeks, the next couple of weeks, just go through some topical studies through the Old Testament. And then we're going to get back into the, the, the book of James um, we won't spend too much time, maybe eight, nine weeks in the book of James. And then, and then we have one, uh, two majors left, Acts and Hebrews. And so in the next, uh, those, those will take a little bit longer, not quite as long as Matthew. We think we've been about 10 months in the gospel of Matthew. Um, but we'll, we'll finish Acts and Hebrews, a couple minor epistles. And, um, in, in a year's time, we will have, um, taught through the entire new Testament, every chapter, every verse, on so we're super excited about that. Excited to uh, finish Matthew this morning. We we uh, I was kind of like in a dilemma because I only had four verses really that I didn't cover. We covered the resurrection, and so this week I was just praying and I was thinking, you know, should I just, you know, just go on to the next thing and, and just leave the last four verses kind of undone? And so then I ran it by Lydia, and she was like, "No, you got to cover that." So the holy the holy the Holy Spirit spoke, and. Uh, here, here we are in the last four verses of uh, Matthew. But again, if you have your Bibles, open them up. Matthew 28. We're going to pick it up in verse 16. If you don't have a Bible, you can open up an app on your phone, on the Internet, uh, Blue Letter Bible. The Version app is the one I highly recommend. It's a good, good Bible. I use the New King James Version. You can follow along with me there. If you like another version, I think there's lots of great Bible versions out there. Um, you can use another one. But if you want it word for word, I'm in the New King James. Um, not because it's better than any other version. It's just the one that I landed on. So um, in verse 16, Matthew 28, it says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Some say, "Uh uh-oh. 
That sounds like some of you guys. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. One more time, you guys. I want us to focus and concentrate on these four verses. Okay, listen. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What do we call this section of the Bible? You Bible students, what do we call it? Okay, everybody say the Great Commission. Okay, the Great Commission. What's a commission? A commission is, is an order for you to go and do something. A commission is a, is, is a contract that you enter with the military to um, go or do something or take a job. It's commission. And God has commissioned us. And in the Bible, we have one that sets apart from other commissions because the, the Bible, it's called, we call it the Great Commission. And so the Great Commission is really the, what, what we teach, what we say, what we see as God's plan for the church. As we know, the church started in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. You can read that for reference. And it was in Acts at, at Pentecost, 50 days from last Sunday. Last Sunday, Jesus rises from the grave in our narrative. He spends about a week, 10 days um, meeting with the disciples. And one of the things that hit me so powerfully about last week's message as I was studying was that really what Jesus spent a lot of time doing post-resurrection was meeting with people's individual needs. And every one of the characters that we see that Jesus met with had a different struggle. And it was like Jesus showed up and encouraged them and said it was all right. You know, the last time that Jesus saw Peter, Peter had heard the, the rooster crow. He denied Jesus. He cussed out a little girl and, and said, let my life be a curse if I ever even knew the man with lots of explit, uh, curse words from a sailor. And then as he was leaving, the cock crowed. Jesus was being led away, and they made eye contact. And the Bible says Peter went away, and he did what? He wept bitterly. His heart was broken. He had denied the Lord. That was the last time Peter saw Jesus. Jesus appears, and when he first sees the women, he says, Tell the disciples that I'm alive, and Peter. Why? You think Peter felt like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. He singled me out. The last time I saw him, I was denying him and cussing out a little girl in, in the courtyard of the high priest. I'm sure Peter understood that Jesus was still interested in him, that Jesus was going to be intentional about restoring him in his denial. Then Jesus meets with two guys on the road to Emmaus. You remember the story? Just post-resurrection, and these two guys are walking, and Jesus starts walking to them. Much like Mary, who thought he was the gardener, didn't recognize Jesus, and the guys were downcast, and Jesus said, what's wrong? What's going on? And they said, who are you? Do you not know how? Are you the only person in all of Judea that doesn't know about the events that just took place in Jerusalem? And Jesus said, no, no, tell me about them. They said, there was a guy, Jesus, and we had, what? Hoped, we had hoped 
that, that he was the Messiah, that, that he was the Savior. And, and they had lost hope. And what did Jesus do? He gave them hope. He started encouraging in their, in their need for hope. And then, and then the women, the women came, and the women brought spices and mints to the, to the tomb. Why? To anoint a dead body that was going to still be in the grave. They didn't understand. Now, Mary, we studied right in depth such a powerful message of worship. And through a life of worship, Mary, who was a worshiper of Jesus, had insight that nobody else had. And where did she gain that insight? We spent a whole week studying it. She gained it through worshiping Jesus, sitting at the feet of Jesus, where revelation comes through worship. And even though Mary had that revelation and that intimacy and relationship with God... Her doctrine was bad. Her theology was bad because she knew he was going to die. But she wasn't prepared and for the resurrection and showed up. And so Jesus meets with these women. And what does he do? He ministers life and love. And so all of these stories where Jesus, post-resurrection, he's just going and he's bringing everybody back to himself. He's bringing everybody home. He's saying, come to me, come to me. And now when we get to verse 16... Jesus tells the disciples, um, and, and the story, you've got to kind of get it from all four Gospels, but eventually you can put it together, and the, the chronology of exactly when it all happened, it's, it's a little kind of, um, I don't know, difficult to, to maintain that we have the, the direct chronology, what Jesus did every day to do on Monday after the resurrection, and Tuesday and Wednesday up for about 10, 12 days um, before he ascended, not sure. He appeared to one, 1 Corinthians tells us, at one time Jesus appeared to over 500 at one time. And, and a lot of people believe that it happened right here in the Galilee where Jesus told the disciples to go. Now when Jesus first died, he went and he told the, the disciples to go to the Galilee, which they're in Jerusalem. So they got to go north, they got to walk, right? And they got to get to the Sea of Galilee where Jesus is going to meet with them. And here he meets with them as, as he said he would. And then on Pentecost, the word penta means 50. It's a Jewish holiday. It happens 50 days after um, the Resurrection Sunday. 50 days after that is a feast called Pentecost. And Jesus said on the Feast of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was going to be given and the church was going to be born. And, and what Jesus did was in his life and in his death and in his resurrection, he fulfilled four of the Jewish holidays. There's seven major Jewish holidays. And, and the fourth one was um, the Feast of Pentecost that was going to be 50 days from last Sunday where we studied. And so first Jesus meets with the apostles, the disciples in the Galilee. He gives them this commission. Then he tells them, go to Jerusalem and tarry ye there until I, bring the Holy, until I send the Holy Spirit. So it says that they went to, after this, this time we're going to study today, they end up in the next short amount of time in Jerusalem in a place, and, and they tarried there, the Bible says, in one accord. So I don't know how you fit 11 disciples in one small Honda. Sorry, guys. I always say those are the jokes. Sunday goes better if you laugh. So, um, so they, they met there, and then 50 days from that point, the Holy Spirit was given in Pentecost, and the early church was born. So where we find ourselves is somewhere in between there where Jesus is going to meet with the disciples. And, and as he does, post-resurrection, he gives them what we call the Great Commission. To go into all the world and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them and commanding them to do all that I commanded you. That's our mantra as Christ followers. And I want to tell you, I want to commission you, I'll make the sign of the cross, Chuck Chuck Mendu. 
you are all assigned and called according to this to be disciple makers. Okay, so that that call that Jesus gives here that we call the Great Commission is not just for pastors and clergy and it's for the body of Christ. That's the I don't know if that's the good news or the, the bad news, but I will tell you this. What's happened over the years is every missions conference that any church has ever done where we're going to gather missionaries that go throughout the world and share the gospel, we're going to put this verse over the top of it, and, and then we're going to make everybody who doesn't go all over the world and share their faith, we're going to make them feel bad, we're going to beat them up with this verse, and we're going to browbeat them with the Great Commission. Now, I don't think that's God's intention or plan. So I'm, I want to give you guys, I want to walk a fine line. I want to first let you off the hook a little bit. Without taking away from you, now you got to follow this, okay? Talk fast, and I say a lot in the little parentheses, but listen to this. This, this part you got to catch, okay? I don't want to take away from you the call that God has on your life to make disciples. I don't want to take away from any of us a responsibility that we should have as Christ followers to be a people that share our faith, okay? But what I want to do today is I want to put it in perspective, and I do want to encourage you that God has gifted everybody differently, right? Now, now the Bible says um, Jesus, uh, Jesus was with um, the disciples in a place called Caesarea Philippi. When we go to Israel, and by the way, if anybody's interested, our next trip is in February of 21, and we're going to do it for about $3,200. So it's an economy trip this year, and it'll be a great trip. Put that on your radar. I'll have more information and, and um, brochures and official details soon. But we got, we got some time, February 21. One of the highlights in Israel is a place called Caesarea Philippi. It's in the north. It's where the headwaters of the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River starts at Caesarea Philippi. comes right out of the ground. Beautiful, crystal clear water comes right out of the ground and begins to flow. It's the headwaters of the Jordan River. flows all the way through Israel, and it lands in the Dead Sea where, where it dies. Now, at the headwaters of the Jordan River were um, multiple temples in the days of Jesus to different Greek gods. And and Jesus is gathered with his disciples there, and and he says to them, who do men say that I am? And and I'll tell you, if we we went right to, let's say we go down to the mall in Salt Lake City on a Saturday, we bring a video camera and a mic, and, you know, we say, hey, we're doing a documentary, and we're asking everybody, who do you say that Jesus is? What kind of answers do you think we would get among people of our day? Probably varying answers, right? We would, people would, would, would give varying answers as far as who they think Jesus is. Well, then Jesus says to his disciples a more important question. He says, but who do you say that I am? And as we know, your answer to that question defines your eternity. Because you can have lots of things wrong in, in our faith. We, we, we don't necessarily have to have perfect doctrine and theology to get to heaven in non-essential issues. But in essential issues, we have to get them right. And so the answer to this particular question of who Jesus is, is a matter of faith that, that, that equates to, to saving faith. So he says to the disciples, and they, the answers they gave in Jesus' day were, some think that you're Elijah returned. Some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're a prophet. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And then Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to Peter, he said, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And Peter put out his chest. 
And he got all excited and he told the other disciples, you hear that? God talks to me. Don't worry, guys. I'll tell you what he says. You know, I got this. But a really crowning, defining moment in Peter's life. And what Jesus made clear to Peter was that he didn't get that of his own accord. That that revelation came from heaven. It came from the Father. And that the Father revealed this through Peter. And Peter's answer was the only correct answer. And it was so correct, and it was because this moment was going to define church history for you and me for the rest of the last 2,000 years, the Holy Spirit is there. The Father is, listen, he's speaking to Peter that day in Caesarea Philippi, and, and, and Peter gets it right, and Jesus needed him to get it right so that he could teach us what he was going to do in the future. And, and, then, and then Jesus said to Peter, he says, Peter, he says, upon this rock... I will build my church and the gates of hell will what? Not prevail against it. Now, now, number one, I want to tell you the church that Jesus started in the book of Acts in chapter two in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus rose from the grave, the gates of hell have never prevailed against the church of Jesus Christ. And, and any premise that says that, that God's church failed makes Jesus a liar. And, and it makes the entire teaching of um, Caesarea Philippi uh, not, not true. And that can't happen. So Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against them. And he said, I will build my, my church upon this rock. Do you guys know what Peter's name is? I'm sorry, that's probably not a good way to phrase that, right? Do you guys know what Peter's name means? You know what Peter's name is? Yeah, dummy, his name's Peter. All right, all right, all right. You, do you know what Peter means? Peter means that the term is, is, is little stone, pebbles almost. And, and Jesus said, upon this Petra, I will build my church, upon this rock. And, and a Petra is, is, a, is a large rock. It's the rock of Gibraltar. It's that Yosemite um, half dome that people climb. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a rock. Now, that rock that Jesus said there to Peter, I'm going to build my church on, was not Peter himself. It was what? It was the confession that Peter made. What was the confession? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter said, that's right, Peter. And upon that confession, upon that rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Because the church is of Jesus Christ. And, and, and what happened, now listen, you need to know this. And again, I, I want to be careful. I'm not trying to pick on any other faith, but I'm trying to tell you truth. Gospel, this is just the way it went down. The Catholic Church took that and others to mean that, that Peter himself was the rock that, that God was going to build the church on. And then Jesus goes on in that same passage and he says, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom. He's going to tell us here in the Great Commission, I have been given all authority and I give it to you. Go therefore. So in the same in the same mantra of the Great Commission, he tells Peter, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. So so the, the, the Catholic Church and others have, you know, and today they say that the pope, if you follow his succession, that it leads all the way back to Peter, who was the first pope. And that the succession of popes comes from Peter and that Jesus was going to build his church upon Peter. It's just not true. And others have adopted a similar thing. 
And I saw, I saw a special on TV a couple of weeks ago, and they were christening the temple, the, the LDS temple in Rome, and it has these 12 disciples, the most beautiful statues and, and room you've ever seen depicting this. And on Peter, the statue of Peter, he wears a set of keys on, on, his, on his side. Because of the misunderstanding that Peter himself was given some kind of apostolic authority to, to lead the church. Now, Peter was a leader. Don't get me wrong. Peter was a leader in the early church. Every time the 12 disciples are mentioned, Peter's name is always mentioned first. But, but, but Jesus never said he was going to build his church on Peter. He said, I'm going to build my church upon me, upon Jesus, that I'm the rock. That the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, that it's Jesus that, that is the church. And now listen, if Jesus builds the church, you and I have been called and commissioned to go and make disciples. But let me ask you a question. What if we don't share our faith? And again, what, what happens is we, we unfortunately so many times as we preach this good intentions probably to, to encourage people to be a people that share their faith. We make them feel like, well, if you're not sharing your faith, you're not a good Christian. And if you don't share your faith, the church is going to fail. But hold on a minute. If you don't share your faith and, and as a result the church fails, who failed? You or, or, or Jesus? Jesus fails then because Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, he's chosen to use you and I, and he has faithful people that are going to they're going to carry out his commission and his call. But ultimately, listen, we don't wear the responsibility. Jesus wears the responsibility to build the church. It's his church. And if we rest in that, if we rest on Jesus and knowing that that our commission, you know what? We don't even necessarily need to focus on making disciples. Do You know, the way it really works in life and in Christianity, we focus on Jesus and then he puts disciples in our path. He makes conversions happen. He puts fruit in our life. He does all the things that we wish to happen when we simply love and know that it's Jesus. And when we follow and love and, you know, every Sunday I tell you guys this and I couldn't be more true. If you hear me say anything over the years, understand and hear this. If as we gather on Sunday, if you leave here and you love Jesus more and you want more of Jesus in your life than when you came, our job is done. I don't have to preach. I don't have to. I mean, church can be really short. We can come in. I'll give you the sign of the cross and splash some water on you. And you'll be like, I love Jesus more than when I came. I'll be like, all right, you're good. You can go. Go in this week because we're only here for an hour and you got 165 of them left. Go this week and love Jesus. And if you focus on Jesus and you want to know Jesus and you, you, you love Jesus and you know that it's in him, that, that naturally fruit is going to happen in your life. Things are going to happen in your life. So that brings us to um, where we are here. And um, you know, Jesus said that you are a city set on a hill. He said you are the light of the world. He said you are what? What's the other one? The what? The salt of the earth. Now listen, listen, listen. He didn't say, hey, go be the light of the earth. Go be the light of the world. And then if it's dim, like he shows up and is like, hey, you're not very bright. You're not very light. What's wrong with you? This world is dark and you're not a very good Christian. No, he didn't say go and shine light. He didn't say go and be light. He said, 
You are the light. He didn't say go and, and be the salt of the earth. Listen, Jesus made you the salt of the earth, whether you like it or not. If you're a Christ follower, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, these are natural things that God is going to do in our lives. We are the light of the world, naturally. We are the salt of the earth. And the Bible says the salt is no good if it, if it loses its saltiness. So, yeah, we, we, we don't. Listen, I, I want to walk a fine line, right? I'm not trying to just give you guys all a pass like, well, I don't have to do anything then. Hey, and that's not what I'm saying. But, but I'm saying that we don't have to unnecessarily and unduly put a, a, a banner on our own shoulders that God has not put on us. And yes, we need to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And we want to, what does salt do? Salt preserves and it flavors. And that's what the church should do. That's what you should do. Is you should add flavor. You should add preserve. You should keep things from, from rotting and spoiling and going into evil, right? Like it's part of the function of the church, the light. The other thing the Bible says as Jesus said, when, when, they, when the disciples in somewhere between, right, 40 and 40 days from where we are right now, Jesus said, you're going to go to Jerusalem, and, and, and something is radically going to change. We studied, remember, the, the ripping of the veil of the temple? Okay, we spent a lot of time on that, because that's, that's a huge dichotomy shift in human history, okay, when the veil of the temple rent. That's big, huge, huge, huge implications to Christian living. Now, the next one is going to be that the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out upon all flesh. Now, what we have to understand quickly is that the, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit didn't function that way. In the life of Abraham, in the life of Moses, in the life of Noah, in the life of King David, the Holy Spirit did not function the way he does post-resurrection. Now, certain people, the Bible tells us, were as anomalies, Samson, what, what does it say about Sam, Samson's birth? The Bible says Samson was filled with the Holy Spirit from his birth. But, but that, the way that we live, where your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, that was not the case post pre-resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, so when the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus said, I'm going to fill all flesh. Your body is, he said, it's, okay, it's good that I go because I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit, who's going to fill you. It's going to be as if I'm walking with you every day like I did with the disciples through the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Now, did he tell you again, just like salt and light, did he say go and become witnesses? Go and, and make sure you witness to this world for me? No, he said, you will be my witnesses. So witnessing, yes, it's something that we do. Being salt is something that we do. Being the light of the earth, is, light of the world, is something that we do. Yes, but more than that, it's, not, it's something that we are. Somebody say amen. You are the witnesses. You are the light. You are the salt. You can be that and you can do it well by just loving Jesus in your life. Being close to Jesus in your life. Letting Jesus do it. You know, some people have an amazing gift of evangelism. We went, um, real quick, just raise your hand if you went to Arizona with us, if you're here this morning, a couple weeks ago, a month ago, okay? So you guys got your hands up. You know this story. We, we went, um, eight of us from this church. We met with other churches, um, some of our sister churches. Well, 
one of the churches, um, one of the guys that came was a brother named Max Ivy. And Max has an amazing gift of evangelism. So we go out to this, like, authentic Mexican restaurant that I think Jay got a hookup or somebody. I remember somebody was texting one of their friends and like, you're in Tucson? You want the best taco in Tucson? you got to go to this place. So we're driving down crazy side streets and all this place. And we come to this, like, house. And they're like, yeah, the taco shop's in the back in the garage. And No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't quite like that. But um, so we, we go into this, this taco shop. And, and, I'm up, and I'm up front and I'm ordering tacos and, like, I, 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 I have, like, this problem because I can't decide what kind of hot sauce I'm going to put on my tacos. And it's, like, real, you know, authentic, and they got the big bar, and there's, like, several choices. And, and by the time I'm trying to figure out what kind of hot sauce that I'm going to put on my tacos, I look over, and Max is talking to this woman in, in the restaurant. And we've been there about a whole of about four or five minutes, and this woman is just bawling. She's crying, and Max is just loving on her, and he's just... He just saw a need in her when we showed up, man, and he sat down next to her. Max has tattoos to his fingertips. He has tattoos on his neck. He wears a long beard. And, and at first, you, you maybe wouldn't expect something like that from Max. But I'll tell you what, because of the character of Jesus in his life, immediately when you know him, his appearance just it goes away. It's, just, it's disarming because the, the love of Jesus. And he's speaking to this woman, middle-aged Spanish woman. And, and, and something's going on in her life, and he just sits down with her, and he starts talking to her. And immediately she's crying, and he's sharing Jesus with her, and he's pouring into her, and he's praying for her. Everywhere we go, you know, you get jealous because Max, you know, like, I'm still trying to figure out what kind of hot sauce to put on it. Max is already, like, sharing the gospel with this woman and really, really in love and joy pouring out to her. And, you know, and I watch all the guys, and everybody's looking at Max like, shoot, I guess I should have been doing that, you know, or I should have been. But listen, Max has a real gift of God. And not everybody has that gift. So I don't beat myself up. I don't, I don't, I don't like, get upset. Like, like I, don't, I don't feel like, oh, I should have been, because I don't have that gift. I wish I did, but God's given me some other gifts, and I'm going to use those. And, and within the body of Christ, right, being a body, we, we all have different gifts. You know, one of the things that I, I want to share with our church is that our, our church needs to, you guys need to understand, listen, our church has to be a battleship. Everybody that comes, if you sit in a seat here, you, you, you have to, you know, you're, you're a part of a battleship. You man a station. You have a job to do for, for the local church in growing and growing and, and serving. Too many times we think that the local church is a cruise ship. And you just want to come and find out where that surf wave rider is and where the fun is. And, and, and if everything is not up to cruise ship par, then, then we get upset. Well, you got the wrong thing. We're not a cruise ship. If you're looking for a cruise ship, I think there's some cool churches down the street. And, and I don't mean that to, like, push anybody away, but I, I mean to just be honest that if you stick around long enough, there, there is going to be a, a, a feel like, hey, we got work to do. We, we want to be sharing the gospel. We want to be making a difference. And, and, and really at the risk of, of losing some people that are signed up for a cruise ship, if I can mobilize people that understand they're on a battleship, we'll do way more damage for Jesus. We'll do way more work for the gospel with a few that understand this is a battleship and want to stick around than a few that get offended and leave. You know, we, we spent a couple weeks ago, and I was real nervous about how I was going to come out and people were going to respond, and, 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 and I really hit abortion on the head. And, we, and we, we hammered it in, and maybe some people didn't like that, and it was just too raw for them. But you know what? If we lost a couple because of that and we mobilized a, a few more in the, in, the, in the process, 
We'll take that all day long. We'll, we'll mobilize the few and, and, and with this battleship mentality that, 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 that we got we got a work to do, right? Now, again, I, the, the whole message is trying to walk a fine line. I'm trying to motivate us, encourage us to be people that share the gospel, that take the Great Commission seriously, but also to be a people that don't have to feel like we're less than because we don't have Max's gift. Because we don't have the call and the responsibility. Listen, you, you are a part of the body of Christ. You know what happens on a battleship? Not too many people on a battleship with thousands. But one guy has a big gun, and it's cool, man. And it goes from, like, me to the, you know, to, to Susan back there, the front of the gun. And, with his, and he, da, 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 you know, and he's getting to shoot at airplanes and swivel around. And, and he's got a really cool job. But in order for that guy to do his job... There's a guy in the engine room who's got headphones on with the engines are so loud and he gets to grease this little fitting every once in a while. And there's a guy in the in the in the galley who's making food to keep everybody. There's somebody who has to clean the latrines. And, and, And you know what? Listen, in the body of Christ and we have similar kind of ideas like that. Some people we as a body, we have different functions. But God doesn't give the guy who runs the gun or drives the ship more credit or more reward than the guy who makes the food or cleans the bathroom or greases the fittings. God bases everybody's reward on how faithful they were to doing what part of the body they were called to do. So if God has given you a gift of evangelism, and I know some of you, whether it's subtle or, or really strong, you know, you're, 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 you have a gift of evangelism. I see it. You're constantly inviting people and you have a passion and you have a way of, of, of disarming and, and inviting people to church. And you're constantly inviting neighbors and friends, co-workers. And, and over the years, I've, I've seen the gift of evangelism really materialize in your lives. And, 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 and others don't have that gift. But listen, it's not the greatest gift. It's not the only gift. But be faithful to the one God's given you. And here's where the church makes a mistake. As a church... We oftentimes make a mistake because we, we get really keyholed and we get tunnel visioned. God has really given me a passion for, for a, a gift and, and in the gifting that I have. And so when I see a, when I see a problem, I immediately p- apply the gifting that God has given me to, to the problem. Okay, let, me, let me explain it this way. And I've done this before, but I think it's just going to save time. It's probably the easiest way to do this. The best way for everybody to understand what your gift is in the body of Christ. If... Um, if I asked Mike there, I said, hey, Mike, will you bring me a glass of water? I'm very thirsty. And if Mike goes back in the kitchen and he gets a glass and he fills it with water and he's walking here to bring me a glass of water and Mike trips right about here and he, and he falls and the glass breaks and he's laying on the ground, water on his face, glass everywhere in front of everybody, every one of you would have a reaction to that. Jason, who's sitting here, would be next to Mike, and he'd say, oh, Mike, you know, oh, dude, I know that was embarrassing, dude, but don't worry, it's okay, man. One time when I was in junior high, I had this really embarrassing, you know, moment, and I wet myself or something, you know. He's going to encourage, don't worry about it, man, you'll get over it, you know. And um, and then Jesse, who's sitting there, you know, Jesse's immediately going to get out his wallet, and he's going to say, oh, man, that glass must have been expensive. Here, here's five bucks. Let me let me replace that glass, you know. And then Jacob's gonna say, "Hey, hey, Mike, listen, you you should you should have got a paper towel and you should have wrapped it around the glass because of the condensation. You should have held it with two hands and you should have watched as you." And he's gonna teach because it's his his gift to 
to teach, and, and everybody's going to, the, the, the gifting that God has given you, you're going to apply to that situation. But here's what happens in the church that's a problem. We've got to be careful for if, if Jason, who is an encourager, if, if he looks at Jesse, who's, who's generous and got out his wallet, and, and he's mad at Jesse because Jesse didn't encourage him, and, and, and if Jesse's mad at Jacob because Jacob didn't give his wallet and give him money, and Jacob's a teacher, then, then everybody sees it through their own gifting. But, but it's okay. Like, it's right that Jesse, because that's the gifting that God's given him, generosity. But what happens in church is we all see it through the same lens, our own lens, our own keyhole lens. And then we get mad at the people who are not evangelizing, who are not out like, you know, sharing their faith. I was on the prices right when I was, when Lydia and I were newly married. And I got up and I was a contestant and I got on, I was competing for a car and it was probably the most embarrassing moment of my life. That's why you'll never see the tape. It's okay because I have it, but it's on a VHS. So it's safe. It's safe. But we're, we're at the prices Right, and in the middle of the, the showing, they, they, they actually have breaks like where the commercials would go. And I don't know what they're doing in that time. They're switching the set around. But there's like a lull in the, in the, in the audience, in the, in the audience that's there. And, and, some, and Bob Barker comes out. It's Bob Barker days. And he's asking, he's, he's having a Q&A with the audience um, during one of these breaks. And, and some Christian stands up and says, Bob Barker. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And have you become a believer and a follower? And I'm like melting in my seat as a pastor. And I'm so embarrassed. And it was like, I don't know if that's necessarily the way that gift works, you know. And sometimes if we get in the flesh and we don't have a gift, it just doesn't go well. And who knows? I mean, I don't know. Maybe God was in that. But I'll tell you what, as another Christian who was sitting there, I was embarrassed. I thought he was making the rest of us look bad because he was abrasive. He was in your face. He was, he was accusatory. Do you know Jesus? Because you go to hell if you don't, Bob Barker. And I'm like, he didn't maybe say that, but that's kind of the, the, you know, and I was embarrassed for him. I was embarrassed for the rest of us. So, so I'm not saying that we need to be that person, you know, and, you know, you get to work and, you know, it's like, like you, your husband or, or, you know, wife or somebody, maybe you became a Christian after that, and they're not a Christian, and so you really want them to get saved. So you make their lunch every day, and your husband gets to work, and he takes a bite of his sandwich, and there's a track that you put inside of his sandwich, and you're pulling it out to, maybe you, maybe you don't have the gift of evangelism, you know, and, but maybe you have a gift of prayer. And you can be praying, and you can be using the gifts that God's given you. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you have a gift of generosity, and you can support ministries and support the church and do those things. And, um, but take the gift that God's given you. The Bible says, this is what the Bible says about the gift that God's given each one of you. Listen, you ready? He says, stir it up. Now, Bob Marley didn't invent that and stir it up, okay? He maybe got it good, but he didn't, he didn't invent it. The Bible says, stir it up. So the gift that God's put in your heart, stir it up. Waken it up. Use it. Be faithful to what it is God's given you. Don't feel less than, but also don't bury them, right? The lesson, the biblical lesson is that you don't take the gifts that God's given you and bury them because you think that you don't have a a place in the body of Christ or that you don't have a place on the battleship. Definitely don't want to jump off the side. Amen? All right, let's let's wrap up. And where are we at on POD? How much time I got in the sermon? All right, I think we're good. I'm going to try to get you guys out of here today. It says... Let's walk through this. Um, 
Verse 17 says, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, um, some doubted is okay. Okay? Listen, God can handle your doubt. So, so these are people who've seen a resurrected Jesus Christ. And, and in the crowd that day, the, the reaction was some doubted. Some weren't really sure. They still needed more encouragement. You know, it doesn't tell us who. You know, we, we would make fun of, right, if it was like, oh, I'm sure that's doubting Thomas again. You know, I preached a sermon on doubting Thomas, just real quick side. That guy's an amazing person in the Bible. We, we only think about t- doubting Thomas when we think of that verse. But you study the life of Thomas, there's like seven verses in the New Testament that give us these little tidbits about Thomas and who he was as a disciple. That guy was a rock, man. That guy was amazing. And, and the fact that he doubted just made him relate to so many of us. And then you realize when Jesus did show up, he didn't, he didn't browbeat Thomas who doubted. And then also the problem was Thomas missed the church service because Jesus showed up at church. That's a bad day to miss church. And Jesus is walking around. And then, then, then after the church service is over, Thomas comes around. They're like, dude, Jesus showed up to church and you missed it. And Thomas said, man, I won't believe until I can put my hands in his side and put my hands in his holes in his hands. And then the Lord shows up and says, yo, Thomas. And he's loving him and he's encouraging him. And he says, look, here's the holes. Put your hands in them. And Thomas says, my God and my Savior. One of the greatest statements about Jesus, my God and my Savior. So here we have a group. Listen, in any church service that we ever have, I think that we, we would, um, you know, we, we would agree with this, this statement here that, that many worshipped, some worshipped, but yet some doubted. And i just tell you about your doubt. You know the saying, like there's a Christian song right now, it's popular on the radio, it's okay not to be okay. You know, that's kind of the idea that, that, that if you have doubt, and, and, and it's okay. It's okay to have doubts. God can handle your doubts. This is what I would encourage you is if you do have doubts, is that you bring them before the Lord in prayer. That you talk to God about them. You get them right and don't, don't hide them. God knows, right? Like you're not hiding nothing from him. He knows, what, he knows what your heart is. He knows what's real. So, but, but rather than just ignore it or hide it or, or suppress it, bring it to God and talk to him about it. Have a Bible open when you do it. Have a Bible ready and let God speak to you and just say, hey, God, this is kind of what I'm, what I'm struggling with or what I'm doubting. Or, you know, and God can handle that and God can converse. Now, listen, I, I'm, not ta- I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to people that have put their faith in Jesus Christ that have doubts. I'm not talking about unbelievers who are doubting everything and have never made a full surrender of their heart and life to Jesus. That's a different, that's a different scenario. Because that's, again, that's, that's, that's a salvation issue. Okay? So if, if, if you've never placed your, your, your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you have doubts, again, you can come the same way. But, it, but if you don't get to a point in your life where you make a full surrender of your heart and life to Jesus, that's, that's a different issue. So here we have folks that are doubting. And it says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority... When I read that through, I heard somebody over here say amen or something, and they got it. Whoever would made a cluck when I said that figured out something powerful was just read from the Word of God. I think that's what I heard. Woo! It was you, Diane, huh? It says, listen, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Does somebody else want to say woo or just her? One more time. Jesus, listen, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me on heaven, in heaven and on earth. 
Does that sound like a Jesus' church who's going to fail? I'm pretty sure not. I'm pretty sure. You know, let me tell you something about Jesus real quick. Side note. Sorry. This is not, this is not how we stay on track or on time. Jesus didn't come to start Calvary Chapel. Jesus didn't come to start the Episcopalian church or the Lutheran church or the Holy Roman Catholic church. Jesus came to save souls. But the function of the local church is by God's design. Okay? And unfortunately, especially right now, I think because of the age of social media and, and because it's so easy to be vocally critic and, and, and criticize what other people are doing for Jesus, we, we have a lot of fighting among churches and among people and, and within the body of Christ. And it's a big black eye. And it's a bummer. I, I personally try to stay out of it as much as possible. I, I personally try to stay focused on, on moving forward and doing what it is that God's called me to do and not worried so much if somebody else is doing it wrong. I don't spend any time trying to go and, 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 and you know, fix what everybody else is doing. I'm not time for that. But, but within the body, but listen, we can be encouraged in this. Jesus said, I've been given all authority. If God, if Jesus has been given all authority and then he's going to tell us to go and make disciples, listen, we can't fail. The church can't fail. The church will not fail because it's not up to us. God, he uses us and it's kind of this anomaly. I get it. But he, he puts it kind of on our responsibility. But ultimately, he's not going to fail. The church is not going to fail because Jesus is not going to allow that. And we can't fail. The church will not fail and cannot fail because it's his church and it's his power. And it's his authority. Now, after he says, all authority has been given to me, check it out what he says next. Go, therefore. Whenever you see a therefore, what do you got to do? See what it's there for. And the therefore is therefore because it goes back to Jesus just said, hey, I have been given all authority on heaven and earth. Now you go and make disciples. And then, and then he ends it with this huge exclamation point. One of the most powerful things that we have to remember as Christ followers. And he says, lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. I've been given all power. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill you with my Holy Spirit. I'm calling you to go and make disciples. And I'm going with you. Amen. Amen. And we can't fail. The church can't fail. We'll make mistakes. But God didn't come to start a particular church. There is no one church. You know, I've been following this guy online. His name is Dave Bartosowitz. He He's a former Mormon, and he does he does some videos and some stuff that, for me, culturally is, is helpful to, to get some, some background. And, and I love his videos, love what he does, until I just ran into one. And I still love Dave Bartosowitz, and I like his stuff, and I mentioned him by name here. So some of you, I know some of you go check him out after that. But he's interviewing a, a church that I think he's a part of. It's an Orthodox church in Salt Lake City. And, and the pastor or the bishop or whatever they call him, he makes a claim that if you're not a part of and this Orthodox Christian church or if you haven't been baptized into it, and he doesn't come right out and say it, but he insinuates that, it, that this is the one true church. And I'm thinking, man, you just left a claim of one true church and you joined another one? Like there is no one true church. There's one true Jesus and you follow him, you go to heaven. And then you find some believers that gather together in his name and we worship together. And yeah, we maybe we don't have it all right. But listen, it's just inconsistent that that Orthodox church that that's the one true church. I'm pretty sure they don't they don't exist in in Saudi Arabia. 
And I guarantee you there's believers in Saudi Arabia who had visions of Jesus Christ and got saved and are going to heaven and have never been baptized in any church. Because it's Jesus' church. And he's been given authority. And he saves. And we put our faith and our trust in Jesus. And we follow Jesus. And we can't fail when we do it. And we naturally make disciples. And he says, go therefore and make disciples. Now I want to tell you real quick in verse 19 that go um, in therefore, in the Greek participle, it means as you go. And again, we don't want to beat anybody up with the idea that you have to go somewhere in order to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Listen, where you are, be a disciple maker. And then understand this too. We are only um, making disciples of Jesus Christ, right? I never want to draw disciples unto myself. We do that discipleship class with these men and and, and part of it is because of this verse and, and going next level. And you guys know by now our, our, our direction and our vision for our men's discipleship, our women's Bible studies. It's making disciples. But listen, we're very careful that we're, we're not it's, – it's, I'm, I'm a disciple with the other guys that are, that are discipling. And, and, and I'm you – know, we're, we're making – we're disciples together of Jesus Christ. But never want to make a disciple. You Listen, you don't want to be a disciple of Chris. Okay, you – you will be messed up. Okay? We're disciples of Jesus Christ together, alongside of each other. We're, we're co-laborers in, in the work together. We're all on a battleship. And we all have a, a, have a station to man. And I happen to have a certain station. But, but we're laboring together for Jesus Christ in this gospel and this ministry and this work of making disciples. And so as you go, and, and, and yes, we want to go and make disciples to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, when we baptize for this reason, and again, because of um, the way that, that as Christians we love to fight with each other, um, people make a big deal of, 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 you know, baptizing and in the name and these things. But, you know, really what the Bible in a nutshell is that any believer in Jesus can baptize another believer, okay? You don't have to have any special authority given unto you. You've all been given it. Peter said that every one of you is a, is a priest according to, to, to the Bible, that you've been a priest, you've been anointed, um, and, and that, that as, as the Holy Spirit has filled your life, you have the right to baptize somebody in the name of Jesus. Jesus said here to go into all nations and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, you notice he didn't say in the names. He said in the name, singular. He goes like, yeah, but it don't add up. One plus one plus one is three. Well, how about this? One times one times one is one. <laughs> you don't get it. I don't get it either. But it's it's in the name. And, and when I baptize, we to just declare and just to cover all ground so nobody can get weird. We say, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son, who is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Because it says that there was none but saved Jesus only. And so, anyways, it just gets weird. But that's how we cover our grounds, and we're obedient to what the Word of God says. And then he says, In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. Now, how can we teach people, as we're making disciples, how can we teach them to follow all things that God commanded. You guys aren't sure? You've you got you to teach the entire counsel of God's word. 
How, how do you teach all the things that, that, that God commanded people to do if you don't teach all the Bible? If you don't teach, if you don't put people in the Word of God for themselves? Listen, you, you, again, you don't need me. You don't need us. If, if You need the Word of God. You need to put it in you. You need to be people that read the Word. And we don't want to do it religiously. We don't want to do it legalistically. It, you, it doesn't, you don't earn brownie points. But, but definitely, if you want to grow in Jesus, be, be in the Word of God. Oh, start opening the Bible. If you're, if you're that person in here that, that's doubting some things, just start, just do, do me this favor. Do yourself this favor. Start reading the Word of God. And let God speak to you. And let, let God's word be true and everybody else a liar, me included. And just read the word of God. Read the word of God. Be a regular diet. Whether, whether you're, you're an avid reader or you're not so strong reader, you don't even have to read it. You can listen to it. it you know, you, nowadays you can get it dramatized on YouTube in the King James Version. God's only version. Nah. So, so... Um, but be people of the word. It's the only way. And then the last thing as we close with this, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, the presence of God, you guys, and, and the one, what I teach about this is that there, there's some things that we say like, this is the only thing. This is the most important thing. But when it comes to the presence of God in your life, it so far exceeds all of those things that I don't even know how to emphasize it. Like I want to emphasize it so much that I don't know how. Because it's so much more than the only thing, the everything. Like the presence of God is it in your life. You do nothing. Jesus said you can do nothing apart from me. Does anybody need kind of a, a, a language lesson on what the word nothing means? You can do nothing apart from me, Jesus said. Moses was given a pretty tough task, right? Moses had two million whiny Hebrews in the desert causing trouble for 40 years so much so that finally God said okay you guys are going to wander aimlessly around the desert for 40 years until all these people die that's how bad it got and it was a 40-year funeral march and then the next generation was able to go in And, and and as Moses was called of God God told Moses to cross over and do big things and to lead these people and Moses got to a point in his life, and he said, God, I'll go. I'll do whatever you want. Like, he's pumped. He's excited to, to, to heed the call of God in his life. And he said, but Lord, he said, I'm not going anywhere unless you go with me. That's just it, Lord. I'm not going. If you don't go with me, you can have these two million people. I'm not taking another step unless you go with me. And in, and, and in Exodus 33, we get this powerful, powerful lesson. And God says, Moses, I'll go with you. My presence go with you. And, and we see where, where it's God's presence. And here Jesus said, listen, you guys can do anything if and because God's going with you. Now, listen, this is not a promise of God that the presence of God will be with you wherever you go. God will never leave you nor forsake you. That's not a promise. That's so much more. A promise is something that you hope the other person will fulfill. This is a statement. This is a covenant. This is, this is it. God is with you. True story. And then we're going to close with this. Let's have the worship team come up, close us in a song. We'll get you guys out of here at 1130. Um, so true story. There, there was an author, writer, um, pastor, theologian. 
And, and his testimony goes like this. True story. In 1950, there, were, there was a, a Chinese um, student in, in Taiwan by the name of Lo Tao Deng. Lo Tao Deng um, in, in Taiwan was um, approached by some Christian minist- uh, missionaries and, and given the gospel. And he rejected it. He had opportunity to go to um, Europe, London, England, and study. So Lo Tao Deng travels to, to London, and, and while he's in London, he has a roommate at school. And his roommate happens to be a born-again believer in Jesus Christ who wants to just share the gospel with, with Lo Tao Deng. And, and Lo Tao Deng is so frustrated, and it seems like everywhere he's going on this journey, he keeps running into these Christians. So he's going to finish his grad school, and he ends up in California. And, and while he's in California, one of his first nights there in his new place, there's a knock on the door. And, and, it's, and it's a door-to-door missionary who wants to tell him about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lo Tao Deng wants nothing to do with it. And, and the guy says, well, can I at least give you a copy of the New Testament? And he says, you Christians are so persistent and right in front of the guy, he takes the New Testament and there's a fireplace in the thing and he throws it into the fireplace. True story. And the missionary is a little shook and he leaves. And Lo Tao Deng goes to sleep that night. He wakes up the next morning and he notices that that New Testament that he thrown thrown in the fire is gone except for one little page. And on that page, there's only one little phrase that's readable. And as he reaches into the fire and he pulls it out, he comes to Matthew, the only piece of the Bible that didn't burn, Matthew 28, 20. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And he gave his life to Jesus, and God, God used him in a big way, and, and you can look him up. He's, he's been an author and a pastor and a theologian, and he went on and, and served God. But lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and worship the Lord together. If anybody would like individual prayer, we'd love to pray for you, with you, anything going on in your life. Hey, take advantage of this, you guys. I don't want anybody to be embarrassed or feel like, you know, and, and nobody's judging you, right? Like, we all need prayer, and we're just not honest if we don't admit we need prayer. And so to take advantage during these times, if there's something going on and you want prayer, l- let us pray for you. Let us be involved, you know. And then, um, so Jason Alley will be up front to pray. Uh, Pat, you want to come up and pray with folks? I'm not sure if Angie's in here today, but um, she's teaching. Okay. Um, and and if, you, if you like individual prayer, especially if you want to ask Jesus in your heart, be your Lord and Savior, it's good to share that. And if you did do that or you want to do that, come talk to Jason Alley. Come talk to Pat and um, let him know that. And they'll, they'll be praying for you. I want to make sure you got a Bible. And um, Hey, listen, last thing is, is we just close in prayer for, with that. I want to encourage us as a church family to be a church that prays. And, and, I, and I, something I'll, I'll talk about a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I'll keep reminding you guys, keep encouraging us. But, you know, and it feels like maybe you've got a lot to do. You know, I want you to be in the Word of God. But I also want you to develop in your life as a Christian just a, a time of prayer where you, you just, we really are people of prayer. We need to pray for our community. We need to pray for the lost in Tooele County. You know, the, the, the only thing that's going to really make a difference, the only power, that, the real power that we have to make a difference in the lives of people that you love, people that you know, people that you work with, people that, that, that are in your neighborhoods and your work and your family, is we have to be praying for them by name. I had an opportunity today, as I always do on Sunday morning, spend some time in prayer. And um, this morning, I, I really 
there's, there was two, two names that just kept, God just kept putting on my heart. They're unsaved people. They're people that I know from, from life outside of here. And, 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 and I just spent some time praying for them this morning. So normally what I like to do on Sunday morning is pray for all of you guys, but sorry, I didn't get to pray for any of you this morning. Just kidding. But, but I, I really just felt impressed to, to just really pray, especially for people that are trapped in religion and in darkness. God can set them free, but he's not going to set them free apart from us praying for them. So let, let's be a people who pray, amen? Amen. All right, let's worship the Lord. And if anybody would like individual prayer, please come up. We'll pray for you. Have a blessed day, you guys. God bless you guys. We love you guys. Father, we thank you so much for this day, and we pray, Lord, for your um, spirit to be poured out upon us. Lord, we want to be a people who goes, Lord, people who go, therefore, into all nations, baptizing and making disciples. Lord, we want to be a people who shares our faith. Lord, help us embolden us. Give us opportunity to share our faith. Lord, help us in, in the gifting and the call that you've given us and that we would be faithful to, to be a part of the battleship that, that you've manned us, that you've called us, that you've placed us at. And Lord, that each of us would understand, God, that there's, there's work to do. And we believe, Jesus, that you are coming back and coming very soon. But in the meantime, there's work to be done. And there's souls that, that are lost. And there's people that are hurting and dying out there, Lord God. And so, Father, we ask, Father, for, for your work and your will in each one of our lives, God. We love you. We thank you. Help us to love Jesus more when we leave than when we came. Or just to fall in love with Jesus and his word. And, Lord, that, that we all would be inspired to be disciple makers, not beat up over it, not falsely charged to do something that we've not been gifted or called to do, but understand that we are salt. We are light. It's who we are as Christ followers. And, Lord, let that light shine. Let that salt flavor. And, God, use us for your glory. And it's your church, Jesus, and we, we're a part of it. We thank you for that. And we know, Lord, ultimately that it's your responsibility. Lord, help us to take that on with you and, Lord, to do the part that you've gifted us and called us to do. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. God bless you guys. Have a great night.